0: daily with Jason Mertidis. going to the net, there's the shot, they score! Kevin Hayes took the pass from Konechny, Hayes with his fourth goal of the season, and Philadelphia strikes first with a 1-0 lead. Jake Wojciech hits it up the left wing, Ben Riemsdyk with a shot, he scores! James Van Riemsdyk, his second goal of the playoffs. Second in his many games, and the Flyers are out to a 2-0 lead. Took the shot, that got through, they score! Michael Raffle bats it by on the rebound, and Raffle returning to the lineup with his fourth goal in the playoffs. The Flyers have tied it at three. Philadelphia headed the other way. Mayfield without a stick. Kevin Hayes weaves his way into the left circle, forced behind the net. A centering pass coming in late. Here's the shot. They score! Ivan Proverov ends it! He goes far down! And the Flyers, for the first time in their history, have won three overtime games in the same playoff series. There will be a Game 7 on Saturday.
1: They have staved off elimination. In two straight games and done it in overtime in both. All three wins in their series all come in the extra session as well. What a resilient performance from the Philadelphia Flyers. We're going to talk to Chris Terrian in just a couple minutes. And after we talk to Bundy, we're going to get to some Twitter questions. Flyers are vying to play for an Eastern Conference Final against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are laying in wait right now in Edmonton, where they will transfer to for the Eastern Conference Final. If the Flyers can get a win on Saturday, they will move on to Edmonton and continue this quest for Lord Stanley's Cup. What a performance by the Flyers. Outplayed through big portions of the game, but they get excellent goaltending from the 22-year-old netminder Carter Hart. 49 saves in the game for Carter Hart, and some of them absolutely sensational. 53 total shots for the Isles. 31 for the Flyers. They get timely goals by guys jumping back into the lineup. They get a win with no Sean Couturier, no Joe Fireby in this game. Into the lineup comes Roffle. He has a goal and an assist. He has a goal, and he provides the net front screen on the game-winning goal by Ivan Provorov in overtime number two. Also, Oscar Lindblom returned to action for the Flyers. What an emotional lift what that was, and I did not see it coming. To take you in behind the curtain real quick. As, as I watch the game on a live feed from Scotiabank Arena, we get to see the locker room and outside the locker room as the players assemble for the pregame warm-up. And you see players lining up. And we see, we saw Oscar there the other night and took warm-up, but didn't play in the game. Saw him line up again tonight. But then when they do line rushes, that's how we can tell who's in the game and who is not. The guys that are not gonna that are warming up that are not going to play don't take line rushes. As soon as we saw number 23 taking line rushes with Derek Grant and Tyler Pitlick, that was the cue. We knew he was in. And it was great to see Oscar out there. But let's get to my conversation right now with former Flyer defenseman Chris Terran. He joins us on Flyers Daily after all of these games, and he joins us now. Joining us in what has become a tradition, a tradition unlike any other, or just like any other, like the Masters. (laughs) Joining us after a Flyers playoff game on Flyers Daily is the one and only Chris and Bundy? I don't know how that they won that game. All I know is that they did. And sometimes you just shouldn't you shouldn't question a win in any way, shape, or form. What's your your first impression of that win?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jace, on that. Like you know, I think when you get into certain games and you you know when you that's if okay. So I guess what I'm saying is, if I'm AV, I'm not going to go back tonight and just break that tape down to you know the soup nuts. There there's no point. It's no point doing it because. Um, You know, you won the game, so all your focus is 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 getting the guys ready for Game Seven. Now, if you played like that in a regular season, that would probably be a great video to show the team the next day of how you probably don't want to play it sometimes. Um, But at the same time, I mean, listen, they won the game. Uh, There was a lot of a lot of heroics and a lot of things that went on in that game tonight. Uh, It wasn't perfect. But it was a win, and again, they stave off elimination, they tied the series at three, shows again going back to the resilience that we saw in the regular season, uh, and, and gave us again a reminder of you know, how fun this team was to watch and how far they came since last October when the first game started.
1: You know, Bundy, I, the questions I always love asking you is to take me inside your brain because you played and you were in these situations. And you knew that the Islanders wanted to close this out tonight. They don't want to see a game seven. Anything can happen in a game seven. It's a crapshoot, right? And they figured, yep. like, eh, we, we, we've controlled this series. Let's just end this tonight. We'll move on to the conference final. We'll tangle with Tampa and we'll go from there. But somehow the Flyers, are this resilience that they have going on, um, to to just keep battling no matter what the situation, no matter what lead they've given up and they find a way to get it done and tie this series, all three of their wins come in overtime. And to get it done like that again, what does this do to the Islanders mentality going? We can't get this. Like it's trying to kill a gnat that's around your face that you can't get rid of at the beach. What what do we got to do to kill this team off? And the flyers just keep flying away and coming away with wins. They're probably more like a green fly than a mosquito
2: at this point.
1: Um, yeah. but you
2: know, I know exactly what you mean. No, but I mean, you're right. And, and listen, you were probably thinking the same thing I was tonight. I, you know, I looked over at Katie Emmer and we're watching the overtime on, on NBC doing the the post game and getting ready to do it. And of course, waiting for the winner. And, um, you know, she looks over, uh, and says, is this normal? Like, no, I mean, this is playoff (laughs) hockey. I mean, that's the way it goes sometimes, but, uh, just a, just a very resilient group. They really, they really are. And if you're the Islanders, I'll tell you this. There's, I, you know, again, when you go back to the fact the team is up 3-1, to one, usually that game five is a pretty telling story at the beginning because you want to see who really is interested in, in stretching it out. And then when you win a game, you know, you get to see uh, – you get new life. I did think the Islanders were going to put their best foot forward tonight, and I believe they did. Uh, their goaltender wasn't quite ready to play. I mean, he was awful. He gave up. I, I shouldn't say awful. I hate saying that about anybody, but he wasn't good enough when they needed him the most. And, uh, you know, I think you saw the replay. I mean, it sure looked to me like Barry Trotz was considering pulling him after the G, uh, the JVR goal, the I second agree. goal to make it 2-0. He mm-hmm. looked like he was already thinking, like, man, this guy doesn't have it. Uh, Trotz probably would have been to better than Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I think that Trot's probably going back, probably if he had a ch- choice to do it over again, he probably would have put Grice back in. It would be interesting to see what they do in game seven. Uh, but certainly he was the one component, I thought, for the Islanders that, that did not give them the 100% that they needed to get this game secured and get out of the series.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I thought he was going to hook them right there too when JVR beats them. And it's such a weird – JVR is not a guy that usually loads up the, the, the bomb in that situation. Uh, I thought it was out of character for him, but I thought his compete level was really good in the game. Uh, Bundy, obviously, no Couturier, no Faraby. Uh They got to, Giroux had to pick up a lot of the, the heavy lifting for defensively. He was down below his own goal line quite a bit um, for the Flyers yep. in their own D zone. Um, but to come away with that game, 5 4, double overtime the way they did without those two players, it makes it even more impressive. Not sure what the situation for Couturier is going forward, uh, or yeah. farby for that matter, but. Um, to be able to come away, that's a confidence builder for this team going into game seven, knowing that even if we don't have him, we can still get the job done and we can move on to a conference final and hopefully get them back there.
2: Yeah, and I think, Chase, you're a, a really good point. And, you know, I mean, certainly Couturier is the feature of those guys that are injured. But, you know, I mean, you could spin it back to saying that, you know, next man up mentality, even when you lose a guy that's been as valuable as Sean Couturier. Well, you know, Michael Roffle had a game tonight that's probably been as good as any of Kutz's games in the playoffs so far. Uh, that's not saying that, you know, Coots has not been a world beater in these playoffs. He's done a good job. He's another guy that struggled uh, offensively to get points on the board. But there was a lot of great stories. And I mean, none, of course, bigger than, uh, you know, the Oscar Lindblom coming uh, coming out to warm up and then getting into that game was is what would have been uplifting, uh, certainly for those guys. And then the respect you saw the Islander players, the Flyers that stick tapped there right after he came on the ice beginning okay. of the game. So a lot of motivating things gave the Flyers the uh, – uh, you know, the 2 nothing lead, again, but but giving up those leads has certainly been a theme. And the other theme, though, for the Flyers is coming back in games. I mean, I was more concerned entering the third period tonight than I was at any other point in the series. I felt like the Islanders were just going to be a very, very tough lockdown third period tonight. Uh, and even maybe pedestrian to some degree. And I thought the Flyers would have to do something extraordinary in the third. And, then, and they were able to do what no one else has done in uh, these playoffs. That's Eclipse the Islanders in a third period.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. They've been so good. They're, so, they're built for that. Um, Sanheim had a, had a bit of a tough game, and Myers uh, along with them. Yeah. Their communication seemed a bit yeah. off at times, Bundy. What, what does that pairing need to do to regroup for game seven?
2: Yeah, been there, done that, man. I'd say it's tough. When you're in a playoff, and I'll tell you as a defenseman, uh, it's really, really hard. When you're a young guy and, and you're in a playoff, the, the, the tempo gets raised. And until you understand that, sometimes you can get yourself caught uh, wondering or sometimes – not quite up to the level of another guy. Listen, those guys have been out there times when, uh, you know, you've had that Martin line with Clutterbuck, uh, it's those guys are, they hit, they finish. And you know, you hear those guys coming down, uh, trucking down the line. You got to get ready for them. It's a physical game. Um, I always feel those two guys are better when they're skating, when they're moving their feet. And I think every time they do get themselves in trouble, it's a case of them being flat footed at, at, at certain times. So, um, They'll learn that, uh, again, even at 23 or whatever they are. They're not uh, you know, they're not a 19-year-old defensemen, but there's still a big learning curve to play and understanding how the bar gets raised in playoff games. Uh,
1: Bundy, Kevin Hayes in the game ha- has the goal and an assist, um, four shots on goal. He's never afraid to, to try and score from anywhere, sharp angles and everything. Um, at, yeah. at times, to me, it looks, it's, I feel like I'm watching a beer league guy just kind of just possessing the puck. He's got great hands. He played at a high level, and he's playing with a bunch of old guys. Um, it doesn't look like he's moving very fast, but he's extremely patient. Um, where do you think his game is right now? Because I thought he was excellent in the hockey game playing over 30 minutes.
2: Yeah, you know, I got asked earlier, I have to give uh, my, my name for, you know, who I felt would be the most important flyer, who needed to be the most important flyer. And I said Kevin Hayes, you know, just because he had to absorb some of Couturier's minutes. Uh, some of the, the body positioning Coots gets himself in defensively. He had to be a replacement of that of sorts. Uh, it was basically, like, center by committee tonight in, in certain ways. Like, Thompson was out there a lot in the overtime. Uh, you know, that's, again, what happens when you lose a guy like Coots. But I said Kevin Hayes had to be the most important flyer. Uh, he got the first goal. Uh, he got the things going for the flyers in that first period, and, and he was. It was uh, it was good to see, and they need that. I mean, you needed somebody to step up, and, and certainly with a guy like Coots, uh, you know, big guy at 6'3", or whatever he is, you need to replace that size somehow, and Kevin Hayes did
1: step up. You mentioned Oscar being in the lineup and his best friend on the team is Robert Haig. And on that first yeah. goal, Haig makes a tremendous play to, to pick off the pass in the neutral zone, shows patience waiting for his guys to get on side and he drops it off to connecting to his right. But then he does something that is one of the details that we always talk about. He darts to the blue paint and he drags the yeah. Islander defender with him. And that gives Kevin Hayes all the time in the world to pick his spot for that first goal of the game. What'd you think of Hague's game tonight? Yeah. I thought he had a real good bounce back performance?
2: Listen, I, I always like Robert Hag in the game. And I know sometimes, you know, things happen uh, where a bounce will go way or a, you'll miss. It's uh, Other teams make plays. And if you're out there, you're, you're going to see that happen. But I always like when Hague's in because I know that he's going to give you an honest effort. He's going to make smart plays with the puck. You know, we know that he's not, uh, you know, fancy stick handler. Neither was I. I mean, most guys aren't on defense. You know, you get the odd guy that's a great power play defenseman. But for the most part, guys are just trying to get the puck out of the zone, defend hard, and make a good first pass out of the, uh, the defensive zone. And I think Robert Haig, I think he does a great job at what he's asked to do for this team.
1: All right, Bunny, let's go inside your head. I want you to recollect the days of playing. Um, if yep. you're a member of that Islander team, up three games to one, you're now in a game seven. You've lost games five and game six in overtime. You had a lead in the third period in both of those games. What's, what's in the, the, the mental makeup of those players right now? What's in their head as they approach game seven?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I, the best uh, the series that comes to mind I mean, immediately is the 2000 Devils series. Now, yep. you know, without getting into the great details of it, there was a whole lot that went on uh, for a lot of guys in that series as the New Jersey Devils came into play. But for, for us, uh, you know, I will tell you this. After game four, I didn't think the Devils had a, a chance left. We beat them two games in their building. Uh, now there's fans in it. But you know what? We weren't ready in game five. Um we, we played a terrible home game in Game 5. Went back to Game 6 in New Jersey and uh, uh, we lost a, a close game, but a game we were never in. And then again, the Game 7, Jace, uh, to me, was an absolute, you call it the crapshoot, right? You know, talk about Game yeah. 7, the, the lucky bounce, the bounce here, the bounce there. You know, you just never you never know what's going to happen. Well, we, we we fell into it and uh, the guy made a play in front of the net late, Nelly Osh, and the guy missed, missed coverage and they went on and won the game. And we would have, I believe we would have won the cup that year. Whoever's coming out of the East was going to win the cup that year, and that was a devastating loss for us. But I will tell you this, if you're the Islanders, uh, they should be concerned because I did feel like the team, the Devils, at the end of the day when I look back at it, were the team that year in 2000 that was gaining the momentum on us. Even though we had the 3-1 lead, they slowly but surely chipped away at us um, and, and ultimately won a game seven on the road. So no fans here for this one. Uh, I expect it'll probably be a tight game again. Uh, you know, um, but I do feel the one thing, Jason, we, you know, we, we were talking before tonight, you and I, that's an interesting stat through this. The Flyers have not allowed less than three goals against in any game in this series. Um, so for them to win, they will have had to score four goals, uh, you know, as, as they approach this. Uh, uh, that's, that's a key stat, you know, it's the, you don't want to, and that's that, that does not set up well for the Islanders. They don't want to get themselves in a situation like that either uh, to play pond hockey. But I have a feeling if the Flyers are going to win that next game, they're going to need four to do it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just the way it's playing out in this series. Well, yep. it's going to be a lot of fun coming up on Saturday, at game seven. We had all these series, all four series were at three games to one. Uh, the one ended, yeah. obviously that's the Boston series. They went home in five. Uh, but now yep. all of a sudden the Canucks shut out the Vegas Golden Knights to force a game seven. They get, uh, I think, 48 saves from Thatcher Demko, their number one goalie's not even in, and, and, and Jacob Markstrom, and they're going uh, they to push Vegas to a game seven. Yeah, unbelievable. And then um, you I, look I, at I the Colorado series, too, is going to seven.
2: So what I actually will say to that, and I, I may cut you off there, but what was unbelievable with that was, like, that's a lot of fight. Because I got to tell you one thing. I think it was a lot easier to leave the bubble, you know, down 3-1 uh, than finding a way to, you know, to put the metal uh, uh, to the, the grindstone and stay with it. I commend those teams for battling, man. It's tough. That's a tough, tough thing uh, environment to be in. And then, uh, you know, t- to stay in the fight, to will yourself to find a way to get a couple wins and back to a game seven, I commend the Flyers, uh, Vancouver and Colorado, who I think is a better team in that series anyhow. But yeah, that's why we played. them.
1: Yeah, well, um, you have any explanation on the uh, why Av decided to challenge that call?
2: That was an awful call. I have, I can't say anything else about it. If he were in front of me, I'd tell him the same thing. Um, <laughs> I just would. I, I don't know, know what was he was. He did I it. don't know. I think everybody was. I, I don't know if he if he if he felt he needed to do something. Crazy. I mean, I listen. It's different on the bench, and I guess it's different for you and I. You know, I'm in a TV studio where I'm getting multiple looks, multiple angles coming one after another. So maybe it's a little bit harder when you're on that bench. Uh, even though he's got a monitor, uh, I thought it was an awful call, though. And, and again, a situation where you just didn't uh, you didn't want to have to give anybody any unnecessary motivation. Sometimes, I guess and I'm not sitting here telling Av how to coach. He's a great coach. Uh, you know, it's been the game sevens of the finals. Um, I just think they're in that situation. Why give another team any added mo- momentum? Lift the fight another, un- another day. Get your team back into it. But, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter now, right? It doesn't matter yep. at all. Flyers win the game. And we get a reset clock again for big
1: game seven, 7.30 Saturday night. Yep. To me, it's take your medicine, take the tie game, and go on from there and try and regain the lead. Uh, but it didn't work out that way, yep. but it worked out good in the end. Hey, Bundy, uh, we'll talk to you Saturday night. We'll be doing this again, and uh, we'll see if the Flyers punch a ticket to Rogers Place in Edmonton in the Eastern Conference Final.
2: Yeah, I mean, not many people could say you get, the, you know, your your big prize is a, is a month in Edmonton, but that's what they're looking at. It's going to be a good time.
1: So. No doubt.
2: Thanks, Jason.
1: Talk to you Saturday, buddy. Special thanks to Chris Terrian for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Let's get to some Twitter questions. At Spunky41182 tweets in, and Anthony says, How much of a momentum boost is this going into Game 7 as to the pure extension of energy used up by the two teams. It's going to be interesting because I think there's pressure on both teams because both teams are now playing for their season, so there's definitely pressure on both teams. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think more pressure lies in the team that's had multiple opportunities to move to the next round and hasn't and did it in games where they had a lead in the third period both times and didn't close it out and lost in overtime. Like that reference I used with Bundy of the gnat that's flying around your face that you can't get rid of. That's what the Flyers have become to the New York Islanders. Jackson Teller, Teller tweets in and says, uh, what's your gut saying about the Flyers in Game 7? You know, Jackson, I don't really don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, th- right now they're a team that's got a ton of resilience and no quit in them. And when you have that, you're going to be in it. So we'll see what happens come Saturday. A game seven is an absolute crapshoot. You have no idea what's going to, you know, what players are going to crumble under that pressure. What players are going to thrive under that pressure? Ryan Eaton tweets in, he says, any question involving Couturier of obviously begins with if. But if he is good to go for game seven, do you go back with him playing with Giroux and Jake, or do you keep Lawton on the top line? Yeah, Scott Lawton played really well with those two. Um, I don't know because I don't know. Obviously, like you said, if he's going to play. And if he will be hampered, so those are things that I don't know the answer to. All things being equal, if he's a hundred percent, I think he goes back onto that line and plays with those two. Shane tweets in at Ben Stadium eighty-eight, and he says, "Jason, I have a wedding. Oh no! He said I have a wedding Saturday at five in Arizona. That's where he lives. Game seven starts at four thirty Arizona time. How should I tell them I love the Flyers more than them and will be wearing my jersey under my suit jacket? Oh man." I don't know what you do in this situation. I really don't. Bring a, 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 an iPad and put it on your lap and watch the game and with earbuds on and try not to scream if the Flyers score, I guess. Drew Moff tweets in. He says, outside of Hayes being a monster uh, in Game 6, Nate Thompson quietly may have had his best overall game in this series. Pitlick also. Agree. I thought both were really good. Nate Thompson played, I think, eighteen, a little over 18 minutes in the game. And I thought... It was probably his best game. He won nine of seven face-offs, nine face-offs and seven losses. So he did the job in that regard. I thought he drove a little offense, too, and I thought that fourth line played a big role in this win. Andrew Weidmeyer tweets in, and he says, How do you feel as someone who personally knows Oscar when you saw him on the ice tonight? Also, if Farabee and Coots are available next game, what are your ideal lines going into a huge game seven? Um, I, I'm not personally friends with Oscar. I know him from my job and and being around him quite a bit and being around the team a lot. Um, What I know about Oscar is this. He is a great kid, a great human, a really likable guy, um, a really good teammate, a really good hockey player. And as far as what I felt when I saw him actually playing in the game tonight, uh, I lost both of my parents to cancer. My dad in 2016, February of 2016, and my mom this year in January. So to see that was... Um, was special because, and I tweeted out before the game, no matter what happens tonight, the fact that Oscar is out there playing hockey nine months after his diagnosis, just a little more than two months after he rang that bell to signify the end of his cancer treatments, um, is, is special. That's special. He, he's a special human, and he worked so hard to get back into that lineup, and his teammates were so happy he was back there, and I'm sure they're even happier that they got him a win, and he can play again. That's just fantastic stuff. Uh, sports mean a lot to us, but in the grand scheme of things, when a teammate or a young, a young man like himself is fighting that battle and to fight it the way he has with such dignity, that means more. And I was very happy uh, to see that he got in the lineup tonight and could see this thing all the way through to fruition. Christopher McKee tweets in, he says, how important is Raffle to this team? I feel sometimes he just flies under the radar and does so much of the little things that will go unnoticed at times. Yeah, He doesn't get an assist on that game-winning goal by Provorov, but he did everything. He's the one right in front of Varlamov taking his eyes away. And then at that point, Provorov's got to find the lane. He does. Varlamov doesn't even move because he can't see it because Raffle provides a great net front screen. Um, And he gets the goal that ties it at three in the second period. He's a straight line player. Uh, it's why that when he was out originally in this series, and there was speculation, why is Raffle not in? Why is Raffle not in? Why would they scratch him? I did not think there's any way that Elaine Vino would scratch him. He's a penalty killer. He drives offense. He's physical against a big team in the New York Islanders. So I think that uh, I, I agree with you. He's a guy that flies under the radar, uh, but he's an extremely important player. All right, that's going to put a wrap on Twitter questions. Everybody, do me a favor. Enjoy this win, Game Sevens. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, Game Sevens and sports and best-of-seven series are fantastic. Saturday is going to be nerve-wracking, waiting for that puck drop at 7:30. But for this Friday, enjoy this win. Know that your team, know that your team doesn't quit. Know that there's leadership and there's resilience on a group that's been away from their families for 50 days and could have easily tucked it in, you know, packed it in and gone home down 3-1 and lost Game 5. Instead, they went out and won that game in overtime after battling back, and then they did it again in Game 6. So know that as you enjoy this win on this Friday, and we'll talk to you on a brand-new episode of Flyers Daily on Game Day Saturday. 7.30 7.30 puck drop. Flyers Daily presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. Have a great day, everybody.